You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Talking about British culture, part two, literature. Hello there, this is English with Monty. Moving on to episode number 49, I've got Gideon on the show. How are you doing, Gideon? Hi, John. I'm fine. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me again. You're welcome. What do you mean again? You love it. I do. I, I'm just surprised you keep having me back. Well, the thing is, is that you're an expert on many, many subjects. And today, I think you're probably one of the most expert people in the subject. Really? Is the subject lying on a sofa, eating donuts and watching TV. It's similar. That, that's my field of expertise. I know it is. And drinking coffee as well. Yeah. Well, you might be slightly disappointed, but I still think you're an expert. In fact, I've told all of my millions of listeners, you are an expert in this topic. Oh dear. And even Matt Damon. Matt Damon is going to listen to one of my episodes just because he believes me and he thinks that you are. And you are. Oh, Matt. Yeah. Still singing my praises. He is, yeah. He also thinks that you're an expert at everything. Excellent. I can't wait to find out what it is. Right, we're going to do an episode about British culture. It's part two episode, in theory, because I did one with Amy, which everybody should listen to if you haven't done already, about positives and negatives of British culture. And I thought I'd do something slightly different with you about literature. Okay. Literature? You've chosen me? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe right, it was John. a bad what choice. Have you done? But you know a couple of things, right? You must have read Harry Potter. I've read books. I've read one Harry Potter. Me too. I love Harry Potter. But only, I love I'm not against Harry Potter. I think it's great. I would say I haven't gone through all, all the Harry Potter books. No, I've read one of them. I've read one of them. I've read the first one. Yeah, same here. The other ones just look too big and intimidating. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm not that much of a fan to read them all, but it's great. That's a good starting point. J.K. Rowling. Let's so, get the J.K. Rowling. The ball rolling. Yeah, the J.K. It, ball rolling. You like that joke? That, I like that Playing words. That's awesome. I think the listeners will love that. Okay, they get it. So I thought we'd do a bit of a breakdown of different literary figures. And I guess we can try and start a bit in the distant past. We'll try and do a few... Quotes. Have you got the sound effects for the distant past, John? You know, like that harp goes, and you go way back into the past. And then someone shouts out, forsooth, the gates. No, that's German, isn't it? As <laughs> gads, I was going to say, some old-fashioned word. Old English. Yeah, from bygone centuries. You must know a little bit about maybe Chaucer. Chaucer must be the first literary figure in English literature, is that fair to say? Unless you include Beowulf. Of course. Can you, can you elaborate? <laughs> You're putting me in, in the spot here because I'm not an expert on Old English, but the first great work written in Old English sometime around the 8th or ninth century, I'm not even sure, was Beowulf. And it was in Old English, wasn't it? Once again, you can read it in translation because you can't read Old English, really, unless you've mm -hmm. studied it. Mm -hmm. You might recognize a few words, but you won't understand it. But if you read in translation, there's a very good translation by uh, 
Seamus Heaney. And in Beowulf, they used lots of kennings because that was a thing in Old English. Do you know about kennings? No, I don't. What's that? It's like instead of saying the word, you use metaphors that make you think of the word. So in Beowulf, instead of saying the sea, they say the whale road. Ah, so you want to say with the spear Danes came through the whale road. Mm. You see, I know something. <laughs> well, this is it. I thought, you know, you'll come up with something. This is great. It is great. And if you like another one is, what do you think this is, listeners? The sky candle. I think I know what it is. Go on then. It's the moon. No, it's the sun. Oh, it's the sun. <laughs> The sun. Well, that seems a bit misleading because surely candles are burnt during the night. It lights up everything beneath it. Sky candle. I like that. That means that candles existed at that point in history. I'll give you one more so you can get it. Spear glory. No, I don't know that one. That's more difficult. Victory in battle. Yeah, that does make sense now you've said it. They're still used today. These kennings, it's an old English thing. I think they use it in many languages, including modern English. One example in modern times would be a couch potato. You say it's an idiom, but actually it's a kenning. It's kind of a metaphor of what the thing actually is, a lazy person. Me, for example. You a couch potato? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. And you? On occasions. When I have a comfortable couch and something to maybe watch on tv then yes on occasions it's true so start off with Beowulf in the original well i think that's a good starting point because it leads into the origins of where we're going doesn't it and then i would go to chaucer next oh yeah why is that then john i just would i mean (laughs) isn't he (laughs) he's the man that potentially brought literature to the masses isn't he yeah. Since Beowulf, it was the first to write really in English. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were other tracks written in English, but he chose to write in the language of the people because at that time, the aristocracy was still speaking French. The language of the court was French. The second language in the country would be Latin. And that was going on. The people still spoke English, but you know, if you were a writer or something, you wanted to communicate in a mass communication of the day yeah you're trying in the people who could read it which was like the knobs the french be wrote in english interestingly a couple of things because i was in london recently and i stayed in allgate and that's where he lived he lived above literally allgate i think there was a house above the gate and he lived there the allgate is not there anymore pulled down sometime in the late middle ages but you can there's a plaque i didn't realize that and he would have been around about the 13th century is it or 14th 14th isn't i it? think 14th okay i think 14th we can sneakily check we spoke about this on another episode didn't we i'm pretty sure it was the 14th because we were talking about the history mm. or the origins of the english language what i thought we could do is maybe put in a few quotes here and there Chaucer has come up with a few, hasn't he? Love is blind. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. 
I, you have I the quote. Time and tide wait for no man. Oh, is that Chaucer? It is Chaucer. I did not know that. Maybe you need to explain. Well, love is blind. No, you don't explain. But time and tide wait for no man. I think that's probably a good thing to explain, isn't it? I guess, obviously, tide is the sea that comes in, isn't it? Because of the moon in terms of the sea coming further into the shore and moving out twice a day. It doesn't wait, does it? It just keeps on going. Man can control his, I say his, <laughs> it cancelled, I'll carry on. Man can control his environment, can control everything these days, but two things man can never control. One yeah. is time and the other one is the tide. Indeed. And I think that's a nice quote, isn't it? Because mm. it is relevant to all of our days, isn't it? Yeah. And all of our lives. I like this one as well. He was as fresh as is the month of May. Oh, very interesting. I don't understand it, but it's very interesting. <laughs> why, why is month of May fresh? Well, I guess it's because it's springtime, right? And everything's uh, yeah. blooming. Nature is awakening, is becoming new and fresh. So therefore, as a person, you can be as fresh as the month of May. Or as fresh as Daisy. As fresh well. as Daisy. We'll do one last one. So, And she was as fair as is the rose in May. Isn't that romantic? Yeah, as fair as a rose in May. He obviously liked May, didn't he? But I guess roses yeah. do come out in May. And her being fair means as lovely and as nice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like that one. After Chaucer, should we move on to Shakespeare, perhaps? Billy Shakes. Billy Shakes. Yeah, I guess so. He's a, he's a big one, isn't he? He is a big one. He is quite successful. I think a few people have probably heard about him, yeah. Probably not heard us call him Billy Shakes before. <laughs> I call him Shakers sometimes. Shakers. Shakers, rattle and roll. And why was he important? We spoke about this in the Origins of English, didn't we? He introduced a lot of new words to the English language, didn't he? Huge amounts. Huge number of expressions, huge number of words from Shakespeare. Some that didn't come off, though he coined, but we don't use anymore. We forget about those. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, a great number of expressions. I'm sure you've got a list there, John. You can read us a few. I can read you a few. So I bite my thumb at you, sir. I do bite my thumb, in fact. Um, is that an expression, though? Do you use that as an expression? Well, I suppose we don't use it now. Do you want something that we use now? Well, I don't know. Maybe something that we can still use today. Okay. I don't go into the, the off-license and say, I, two cans uh, of tenant extra and I bite my thumb at you, sir. So. Probably so. not a good idea to say that, is it? <laughs> Music be the food of love, play on. Nice. Contains subjunctive. That's nice. We'll explain that. Yeah, but you don't use that in conversation. What do you use in conversation? Come up with something. A lot of idioms. To be or not to be, that is the question. I, I wouldn't don't put, use it. I wouldn't, you know, put that into yeah. a conversation. Whereas something like break the ice. Oh, yeah, of course. This is not for the faint hearted. I am Googling this now, but so I'm cheating a bit because I think on the top of my head. You have a oh, heart of gold. gold. Oh, you wear your heart on your sleeve. These mm. are all you would use in daily conversation. Well, you've got to explain them all now, though. I'm not sure. I think most of them are quite clear, aren't they? I would have thought so, yes. 
heart on your sleeve i suppose it's like being honest and open with your feelings yeah yes yes too honest about your feelings and your emotions perhaps and of course there's the green-eyed monster that doth mock the meat it feeds upon green-eyed monster you know that one john i do yes to be jealous doesn't it if you're jealous beware of the green-eyed monster yeah not all that glitters is gold yeah that's a good one isn't it can you explain that one it looks shiny you think it's good valuable but really it's a pile of crap yeah very well explained a laughing stock a laughing stock i like that one yes that's from shakespeare we use that don't we well so he came onto the stage to give a speech and i don't know he's the politician the dictator came onto the stage and his trousers fell down mm. and everyone was laughing at him Laughing and should, you should have seen his underwear. He had mm. Hello Kitty boxer shorts on, became a laughing stock. He had to curious. give up being a dictator and turn the country into a democracy. Somebody who's a laughing stock is maybe somebody who thinks they're amazing and is perhaps not very well liked and then become a laughing stock because they've done something very embarrassing and yeah. in front of everybody, isn't it really? I'm trying to think of a real example of a laughing stock without being nasty. Nothing springs to mind. No, I can't think of anything. Maybe later I'll think of one. There are so many expressions. We could do several episodes just on words and expressions that Shakespeare gave us. We could indeed, yeah. I mean, maybe if we move on to more of the modern element. Well, I should say, though, I mean, it's interesting. We've started off at Beowulf, which you can't read really you can't read its original form you might recognize a few words here and there not quite the same with chaucer but you know you you couldn't just pick up chaucer and read it either you'd recognize quite a lot but you wouldn't be able to put it all together and understand everything but shakespeare is the beginning of modern english so Mm -hmm. although it's old it's actually modern english and with a bit of help you can still read shakespeare today it's not really different ourselves differently it's still readable yeah it is isn't it i mean i think it's not too difficult to understand is it i mean maybe you have to have a few notes on it in order to understand certain things but yes it is yeah once you've read one you can read them all (laughs) i mean if you coming to it as a non-native speaker there are things that you need to understand for example at that time There were two forms of you, you and thou, thou art, John, thou art a wonderful podcast host. And this is for thee, that's the object pronoun, and this is thy, I know, microphone. So the pronouns could be different and quite a lot of other things, but a little bit of training, you can read it. You definitely can, can't you? It it is a bit of a challenge, but it is very rewarding as well, I think, at the same time. Mm. So I have a laughingstock quote, Ted Cruz... Although a laughingstock in the mainstream media is extremely popular among primary base voters. Oh, okay. This was a long time ago, but I don't know whether it's appropriate. But Ted Cruz was a Republican candidate. Oh, yes, he was a laughingstock. He was on a beach or something. Is that right? There was a hurricane, wasn't there? And he decided to be on the beach, didn't he, rather than actually helping people out, allegedly. Yeah, no, he was on the beach. We have pictures. Yes, okay. Not allegedly. In terms... Well, Donald Trump could be a laughing stock in many occasions. That's true, yeah. 
let's talk about some modern day authors. So I've got a few and we'll go through them a little bit and see what you think and what you know about them. The first one in my list, Aldous mm. Huxley. Have you read him? Yeah, I've read Brave New World. That's his most famous work, I would say. It's not that difficult to read as well, is it? It's pretty no. straightforward. So for English people who are learning English or wanting to read something in English, it wouldn't be too difficult. But also it's a sci-fi book, isn't it? It's a dystopian look at the future. I think he gets it right a lot of the time. I don't remember, I don't remember it so well, but a lot of points. But, Even but, though it was written in one of the 50s, still yeah. reads today and think, oh, yeah, 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 I know what he means. Like 1984, I think you might, maybe you're going to mention that later. Indeed, yeah. I mean, came true. I think so, because I think with Aldous Huxley, it's kind of similarities with things like The Matrix, as in, I think he's inspired films, hasn't he? Definitely. In oh, is that inspired of, by Huxley? I don't know if it was directly inspired by him, but there were certainly quite a few elements connected to what he wrote about. So whether there was a direct connection, I don't know, but there's certainly a lot of similarities. He was great. And also Doors of Perception, I would like to read because he was one uh, of the advocates of psychedelics in oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. 50s That's and 60s. And That's so how the group, The Doors, got their name, you know that? Oh, did they now? Wow, that's yeah. interesting. From Aldous Huxley, Doors of Perception. Okay, that's very interesting. I think they're not too difficult to read, and I would definitely recommend them. The Doors of Perception was about him basically taking psychedelics and his mm. experiences. I mean, that is a very interesting one, potentially. Yeah, you mentioned 1984, George Orwell. I think 1984 on Animal Farm, people need to read really ideally. And Animal Farm, probably for an English learner, is probably the easier one just because it's not very long, is it? It's like about 100 pages. Animal Farm is very easy to read. It's a deep book. It clearly works on different levels. It's about dictatorship and about Stalinism and a lot more. But on the surface, it's a book about animals on a farm and written in a way that's it's quite easy for a non-native speaker. To, yeah, to it's read. very accessible. Yeah, and it's short. It? <laughs> it's, and it's short, which is very good. 1984 is where Big Brother came from. Not the TV series, but the expression. Just curious you mentioned the TV series because in the TV series, Big Brother was a good guy, wasn't he? Really? Hey, we'll speak to Big Brother. Okay. Uh. But in the book, of course, the Big Brother was evil person that watches over you all the time. Big Brother is watching you. And that's become a reality as well. We know that we've been watched all the time. Oh, yeah, it's all these things that mentioned by uh, John Snowden and other things, you know, all these predictions that... George Orwell made in the 1930s have become true. That's why you can read it today and think, wow, yeah. He didn't predict smartphones, but he predicted cameras in the house, people watching you, they knowing it, everything that you do. Even the way that we speak, was it Newspeak? They created a language to restrict our thoughts. I suppose we've probably missed out Dickens, haven't we? Kind of in between the Victorian, famous Victorian. Charlie Dix, from Billy Shakespeare's Charlie Dix. Indeed, yeah, we've completely missed him out, haven't we? I do have a quote from him. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. 
it is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Just before he gets his head chopped off. Is it? The French Revolution. Jeez. Tale of Two Cities, isn't it? It is indeed. I've not read that one. I haven't read that one. I think because most of Dickens, I think all of them have happy endings, I think. But that one doesn't seem to. I haven't read it. <laughs> he gets executed, guillotined. I would think this is quite difficult to read, though. I found Dickens relatively difficult. If you want to get a taste of Dickens, though, you've chosen the right book, but I would say perhaps you've chosen the wrong quote, if you forgive me for saying that, John. Mm. Instead of doing the end, do the beginning. Can I get the quote up for you? Yeah, of course you can. And you'll see that Dickens was indeed a great writer. So this is how it starts. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. That was extremely well read. Thank you. It goes this on. Is, I think that's enough, though. I mean, I yeah. think you gave great dramatic effect. Mm. This is why you're on the show. This is why you're on <laughs> That was incredible. And what does that kick off? Tale of Two Sisters, which I haven't read. I haven't read that one. But it's a great literary quote. Yeah. If you're learning English, the book that most start with, most people start with Dickens, is Great Expectations. Mm -hmm. And also there are lots of adaptations, some good, some very, very bad adaptations of, of the book. Mm -hmm. I think the best one is, if you want to watch the film, I think it's from the 1930s. So the best adaptation of the book is 1947. Okay, well, that's really good. There have been lots of really bad, bad adaptations. I like the book, so I've watched quite a few of them. There's one with Robert De Niro, which is terrible. There's one recently on the BBC, which changes the whole thing, the whole premise, and it's utter garbage. So, yeah, go back to the 1946 one. That's the only decent um, movie, I think. Okay, well, that's good advice. And then read the book. Or read the book yeah. first. Read the book yeah. first, yes. Hello, my name is Manuel. I'm from Colombia, and my favorite episode is number 44, Proverbs to Motivate English Learners. In this episode, Ben and John walk you through a nice selection of proverbs that could be used in different kind of situations, from English learning environments to daily life. If you like proverbs and idiomatic expressions, go and listen to this episode. Well, we probably need to talk about Bronte and Jane Austen. I guess they're probably good things to talk about as well. We've been okay. very, very heavy on just male authors, haven't we? Unless Jane, Shakespeare was a woman. That there could a be the case. As one of my students told me he was Sicilian the other day, but yeah, no, I don't think that's true. Can I go back to Shakespeare for a second? Sure. This is strange. Shakespeare and Cervantes died on the same day, but they didn't die on the same day. How is that yeah. possible? Well, that's a good question. Is it because of the calendar? Yes. I think it was it April. I can't remember April the 3rd or something, April something, which is International Book Day. It's an incredible coincidence to the two greatest writers of the age in English literature and arguably in Spanish literature too, both died on the same day. Extraordinary coincidence. There is a, a theory, a minority theory, I should say, mm -hmm. that they were the same person. 
very much a minority theory, <laughs> but it's an interesting idea. It is an interesting idea. So they actually did die on the same day. It was just in but terms not of the dates. same day. Yeah, because of the Gregorian calendar. Also. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm impressed. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, I think, is worth mentioning. I'll give a nice quote from this. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. That's mm, how it starts, isn't it? It is. Uh, Pride and Prejudice. It's one of the most famous opening lines in history, mm. I would argue. Yeah. Because I guess it's connected to Victorian times, really, isn't it? It's slightly pre-Victorian, isn't it? It's sort of around 1800, isn't it? Yeah, you might be right. century? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, and if you're a woman at that time, you would expect it to find a good husband. I guess you would still expect to find a good husband, not a bad husband at any time. But that was how families got connected, wasn't it? It was indeed, Families married to one another. And and it was about wealth, wasn't it, and status. I tended to find that it was more popular with girls in my class at school than the boys. I have to admit, I wasn't a big fan of Jane Austen. You should have been. You wanted to be a big hit with the girls. You've got that, to get into point. Jane Austen. That's a good point. That's where you went wrong. That's where I went wrong. <laughs> You've regretted it ever since. I have, yes. <laughs> yes, you, you've had a, a chance with Amy Fairweather. Indeed, she was the love of my life, I believe. <laughs> I was into whether she's listening. Maybe she's still single. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she's not real. (laughs) Wuthering Heights. I liked Wuthering Heights. The strange thing about Wuthering Heights, though, I sound like I know nothing about books by saying what I'm about to say, which is probably mostly true. But Wuthering Heights, it has a story, and then the same story repeats. The first part and the second part are exactly the same, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I remember because this is just what happened before, but just with different people. Don't remember that. Possibly. So it was Heathcliff and what's her name? And then the children have a similar kind of love affair, don't they? It's true, but it is a nice book. I like the book. I do, yeah. I think it's well worth reading. And it's probably not too difficult to read as well. It's quite a nice book. Mm. Some people consider it the greatest novel in the English language. I'm not so sure, but it's certainly held in high esteem it is it's definitely worth reading isn't it certainly if you're into you know evocative pictures of the moors on dark winter evenings then you'll like her descriptions i mean there was lots of imagery wasn't there and representation wasn't that yeah in terms of the moors reflecting heathcliff's wild character i guess yeah oh heathcliff a bit rough wasn't he he was a bit of rough. <laughs> That's true. You have to explain that one. No, maybe not. Maybe cut that one out. Well, a bit of rough is, you know, somebody handsome and rugged, like kind but, of. You but know, yeah, working class. Working class. But handsome, rugged. And the idea is you're not working class, you're middle class, but you get attracted to the rugged working class lad. Indeed, with long hair and, and dirt under his fingernails. Yeah. Could be a description of you. <laughs> it could well be. Listen well, the hair anyway. Yeah, I know you clean your, your fingernails. <laughs> Indeed, listen to that, Amy Fairweather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think these are probably books that you've read. I've not read them. Graham Greene, I'm sure you love Graham Greene. I've read a few Graham Greene. Yeah, I'm sure you like him, don't you? Yeah. 
I've not I read do. any of his stuff. Can you recommend any? Oh, I like the comedians. Hmm. That's a good. No, no, I would say okay. Not yeah, the comedians is is great, but I think uh, that's one of his more serious books. But I think one of my favorite is one of his less serious books, more of a comedy, and it's called Our Man in Havana. And I highly recommend that. In fact, uh, I did make a video about some of my book recommendations on my YouTube channel that, you know, you should all be watching every day. One of the books I recommended was Our Man in Havana. Have you read it, John? I haven't read it. No, I've missed out Graham Greene for some reason. The premise is that there's this guy, he's in Havana. I think he's divorced, but he's got a daughter who's got very expensive tastes. He doesn't have any money. And he's a vacuum clean salesman. And somehow, which I can't remember how, the designs of the vacuum cleaner, they get mistaken for designs for a a military base or something. Mm. And so he gets hired as a spy because he has these top secret things and they want more. And of course, he's not a spy. He's a vacuum cleaner salesman, but he wants the money, so he accepts their offer. It's very funny. That sounds very entertaining, though. I'll have to yeah. read There that is one. a touch of seriousness, though, because, you know, it's a time... Who was it in Havana at the time before? Baptista. Baptista, was it? Before, before those Castro. guys that ran... Chego, not Che Guevara, the other guy. Castro. Castro, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pre-revolution. Definitely an interesting book, so I recommend that one. I have recommended it. Definitely have to look at that one. Yes, really entertaining and it's easy to read. Easy to read. Okay, that's mm. good to know. Relatively. 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 Yeah. It's literature. It is literature. Mm. I mean, a lot of these books, if you're just looking for easy reads, I mean, you'd read something like Agatha Christie or something. You just want something easy. But I'm not a great fan, but that's just me because they are easy. This sounds very snobbish, but it's not literature. They're yeah, just well, entertaining I, books. I suppose it depends. Very well. I suppose it depends what you like, right? It's good to talk about those things, though. I think it's worth mentioning. I think something like Roald Dahl would definitely be worth reading as well. Mm -hmm. Potentially, there's a few words in there, isn't there, that are fantastical. But he wrote both for children and adults. So I guess it depends what you're reading. Yeah, that's true. A lot of what he writes, obviously, is very straightforward, isn't it? Because it is for children and adults, as you say, and it does appeal to both. I mean, I've reread some of his book in adulthood and i yeah. found them just as entertaining okay Things. not a very nice guy apparently so yeah anti-semitic and then alice in wonderland if we're going to talk about mm. books and i like this quote it's no use going back to yesterday because i was a different person then so it's a bit of a cryptic metaphor that one isn't it which has potentially deeper That's layers true. of meaning but it's a classic isn't it yeah and it's inspired readers as has i think lord of the rings as well i think lord of the rings is another one perhaps in some cases a bit more known because of the film nowadays. i haven't read lord of the rings i must say i've read some of it but honestly it's hard going i would mm. not recommend it to english learners because it is pretty hard going it's very descriptive and as an english person english native speaker i found it hard uh, and i didn't really hugely enjoy it a nice quote from him so J R R Tolkien. he kind of spent a lot of time 
in the Birmingham area, but I think he was actually from South Africa originally. And he has kind of been adopted in one of Birmingham's own because he spent most of his life there, I think. This quote's nice. Not all those who wander are lost. Ah, nice. I guess. It's a good one, isn't it? Can you explain it just in case people don't know? Well, sometimes I just go from place to place. I don't know where my direction is. don't know mm. where I'm headed. But somehow I know I'm taking the true path. It's very deep. I wasn't expecting something so deep. <laughs> Have you ever thought of publishing? Oh, you are publishing a book, aren't you? Sometimes in the, in the next decade, my book will get published. You're definitely somebody who could become an accomplished author with phrases like that and sayings like that. <laughs> I just steal other people's quotes. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm <laughs> smart myself. George Eliot, I think, is probably worth mentioning. Yeah, um, I've, I've read George Eliot. Strange so, it may seem. Why is that strange as it may seem? Not many people read George Eliot these days, I think. No, maybe not. This is an interesting one, I suppose, isn't it? Because George Eliot was, in fact, a woman called Mary Ann Evans. Mm -hmm. And What? She was a woman? No, I knew that. Because I, I guess at the time, women would have written under male names, wouldn't they, on occasions? I don't know if there are any other examples. Are there any other examples? Oh, well, George Eliot herself, she was inspired by Jules Sand here in Paris, who was a woman and was the lover of Chopin. Wow. And George Sand, and that predated George Eliot, but that inspired her. That's why she chose George. I didn't realize that. I think you could get published as a woman, but it was just more difficult, wasn't it? And I suppose maybe it's in terms of how serious you would be taken, possibly. Is yeah, because that... you remember you had Mary Shelley mm -hmm. that wrote Frankenstein. Mention that. Let's go back. And, of course, Jane Austen. That We've mentioned the Brontes. Elizabeth Gaskell. There are lots of examples, but I just think it was tougher, maybe. I'm guessing here. I think that's why. It was assumed that men, a book written by a man, would have more gravitas. There have been a number of very accomplished women who, who have written in Britain. And I think they definitely help shape, don't they, our culture and society. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a quote from Middlemarch. By... I read that. Mm -hmm. Showing off here. I want to show off because I think it's a thousand pages long. Is it? I don't think I've read it. Pride helps. and Pride is not a bad thing when it only urges us to hide our hurts, not mm. to hurt others. That's a good one, isn't that? Do you want to explain it? I kind of understand it. I wonder how to explain it, though. It's all right to feel pride just to sort of cover up something that's gone wrong. I don't know. How would you describe it? I suppose the idea is it's about covering up what has happened to us that has been bad, right? Rather than pushing it onto somebody else. If you're using pride in order to cover those things mm -hmm. that have hurt you, rather than pushing it onto other people, then it's not a bad thing. I think that's yeah. very well explained. If I remember it well, one thing that inspired me from George Eliot, and it's a quote, but it's so short, but it just sums up everything. And that is, love what's good. Three oh. words, well, four. And 
it just sort of sums up the way you should see the world, the way you should behave, just sums up everything in just four words. And I think she captured it perfectly. Yeah, love what's good. It's true though, isn't it? It's very simplistic, but it's very true. Love this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Love your YouTube channel. We've done so many. Is there any others that you want to mention? I mean, I suppose there's Virginia Woolf maybe as well. Virginia Woolf, yeah. Yeah, certainly Virginia Woolf. I mean, we haven't even touched on sort of late 20th or 21st century, but there's so much more. There's Kazuo Ishiguro, Mm -hmm. of course, won the Nobel Prize for Literature. We're talking about, today we're talking about British literature, of course, you know, there's English literature from across the world. And if Qureshi is good, Ian McEwen, Martin Amos, there's Hilary Mantel. There are lots of great authors which we haven't touched on today. Several episodes, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of scope for it. I mean, I'm going to mention just maybe two more because I've got links in some way. So H.G. Wells, he used to live in Sangate, which is very near to where I'm living at the moment in Hythe on the coast. Okay. And he lived there for 12 years. Okay. So it's kind of a town between Folkestone and Hythe. He wrote quite a lot of his novels there. I've seen films of his books. (laughs) The Invisible Man, that was him, was it? Invisible Man, H.G. Wells? Could have been. Wasn't War of the Worlds was one of the most famous. War of the Worlds as well. And a few more. So I thought I'd mention him for that. And then also Zadie Smith. That white teeth, is it? Yeah, so she's kind of from Brent, where I used to live in Wilsdon Green. And the pub, which was converted into flats where I used to live, was in one of her books, in White Teeth, in fact. Okay. In fact, Wilsdon Green's mentioned in quite a lot of literary books. And in Danger Mouse. And in Danger Mouse. Dickens mentions Barnet. He talks Mm. about Barnet as carried the same in Oliver Twist, and I was born in Barnet. That's my literary reference to. That's a good literary reference. Excellent. I'm happy that you've made that. I suppose we should probably finish off because we can go on for much longer, but hopefully that has given the listeners a good idea about what they can read and what British literature is. And I think everybody will agree with me when I have chosen the best possible person to help me out, which is you, Gideon. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And do you want to tell them about your YouTube channel again? Yes, I have a YouTube channel. It's called Let Them Talk TV. It's utterly brilliant. And you should definitely subscribe and get all your friends and all family to subscribe as well. You said you had one on literary stuff? I have actually done, I can't remember, three videos on books. One is about classics of English literature. One is about Easy to read classics. I won't tell you what's in it because otherwise you won't watch the video. I think I did one on business books as well. Different topic. Some really good business books. The social commentaries and stuff like that. Excellent. Thank you. I mean, that's definitely inspired people to look at your channel. Mm. If they haven't done already, because I'm sure they already have. But yeah, if you haven't seen those, take a look. Thank you for joining me today, Gideon. My pleasure as always. You've been listening to English with Monty. Thanks for listening to English with Monty. For bonus episodes, sessions with the teacher and discounts through our website, please sign up at patreon.com forward slash English with Monty. 
Or you can join us for our English conversation group in London at meetup.com forward slash Monty English conversation. 